Adventure Club Theater, where theater is the adventure. Do you know what the word Messiah means? Okay, so like, wait, doesn't Messiah totally mean deliverer or like savior or something like that? Yes, that is correct. The word Messiah literally means anointed one. Christians tend to take it for granted that Jesus is the Messiah. We know that he came down to earth to die for our sins. Many of us have memorized John 3.16. Oh, 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 I totally know that one. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We can read about Jesus' life and ministry in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. However, have you ever considered the concept of the Messiah from the perspective of the people in the Old Testament? Mm, I like totally can't say I've ever thought of that. Today, we are going to consider the Messiah from Daniel's perspective. Daniel chapter 9 starts with a prayer. O Lord, to us belongs shame of face, to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws which he has set before us by his servants, the prophets. Yes, all Israel has transgressed your law and has departed so as not to obey your voice. Therefore, the curse and the oath written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against him. And he has confirmed his words, which he spoke against us and against our judges who judged us, by bringing upon us a great disaster. For under the whole heaven such has never been done as what has been done to Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us. Yet we have not made our prayer before the Lord our God that we might turn from our inequities and understand your truth. Therefore the Lord has kept the disaster in mind and brought it upon us for the Lord our God is righteous in all the works which he does, though we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord our God, who brought our people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and made yourself a name as it is this day, we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all your righteousness, I pray, let your anger and your fury be turned away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain. Because for our sins and for the inequities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people are a reproach to all those around us. Now therefore, our God, hear the prayer of your servant and his supplications, and for the Lord's sake cause your face to shine on the sanctuary which is desolate. O oh my God, incline your ear and hear. 
Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city which is called by your name. For we do not present our supplications before you because of our righteous deeds, but because of your great mercies. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and act. Do not delay for your sake, my God, for your city and your people are called by your name. Man, Daniel's prayer makes me feel like totally bad about my prayers. I usually only pray to God to like thank him for the food I eat and for the day I had and stuff like that, you know. Don't worry about the length of your prayers. It's about what you say to God. Well, if I'm like totally being honest, I mean, I really don't know what to say to God. I can give you a few pointers to help you get started. Okay, sure. Thanks. You can start your prayers by praising God for who he is. Like praising God for like who he is? Just think of characteristics of God that are praiseworthy. For example, you can praise God because he is so merciful to us. You could also praise God because he is so loving. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think I get it now. So what else can I pray to God about? You can ask God for forgiveness of your sins. Well, I did totally treat my coworker really badly today. I feel bad about that. You can also come to God in intercessory prayer. Uh, uh what's intercessory prayer? Intercessory prayer is praying on behalf of others. So my friend has totally been really struggling ever since she got divorced. So I could totally pray for God to give her, like, strength during this difficult time? Exactly. You can pray for friends and family. You can pray for people you know who do not know Jesus yet. Just give God all your petitions. Awesome. So then how do I end my prayers? You can also close your prayers with thanksgiving. You can thank God for all the blessings he has given you. You know, I like totally have been blessed this week. I almost got into this big car accident, like humongo, but I somehow swerved at the last second. It was like a miracle I'm okay. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to derail the episode. No worries. Actually, you can see many elements of what we talked about in Daniel's prayer. Oh, yeah. So, like, Daniel started his prayer by praising God. And then, not only did Daniel ask God to forgive his sins, he totally also asked God to forgive the sins of his people. So, like, Daniel was praying on behalf of his people. That's totally intercessory prayer there. Yes. Daniel poured his heart out to God in prayer, laying all his concerns, anxieties, troubles, and heartache upon him. In the same way, Jesus encourages us to come to him and pray to him, casting our cares upon him. Did God answer Daniel's prayer? Oh Lord, please forgive our sins. We are in exile and the temple is in ruins because we have broken our covenant with you. I've seen you before. You're the angel Gabriel. Oh Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill and understanding. At the beginning of your supplications the command went out, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. Therefore, consider the matter, and understand the vision. Seventy weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore, and understand, 
that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and sixty-two weeks. The street shall be built again, and the wall even in troublesome times. And after the sixty-two weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the Prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end of it shall be with a flood, and till the end of the war desolations are determined. Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. But in the middle of the week he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering, one who makes desolate, even until the consummation, which is determined, is poured out on the desolate. There is an awful lot going on in this prophecy, like so much. When Daniel prayed to God, he was concerned about the sins of his people and the desolation of Jerusalem. God answered his prayer and addressed both these concerns with the prophecy of the Messiah. The people will be redeemed and the sanctuary will be anointed through the work of the Messiah. This work of redemption extends farther than just Daniel's people. It extends to the entire human race. Hold up, is this prophecy about Jesus? Yes. I mentioned earlier that Messiah literally meant anointed one in Hebrew. In the New Testament of the Bible, the equivalent word of Messiah is Christ. Okay, so like Christ is actually a title then. Like when you say Jesus Christ, you're like actually saying Jesus Messiah. Isaiah 59, 2. But your inequities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Matthew three sixteen through 17 When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and enlighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Jesus began his ministry after he was anointed by the Holy Spirit when he was baptized by John the Baptist. In the context of many of the passages in the Old Testament of the Bible, Messiah means Redeemer or Deliverer. Ever since man fell from grace in the Garden of Eden, humanity has been in need of redemption from sin. Our sins separated us from God, and we needed someone to bridge the gap between us and God. Deuteronomy 18.5 The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren. Him you shall hear. Daniel 2.44 And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Job 19, 25-26 For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth, and after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God. The Messiah will be a prophet, a king, and a redeemer. The Messiah was prefigured by the animal sacrifices in the sanctuary services. The Israelites knew that they were not saved by the blood of lambs, bulls, and goats. Rather, they were looking forward in faith to the Messiah who would redeem them. 
When Daniel made this prayer to God, the temple had long since been destroyed. The sanctuary services, the basis for the Jewish economy, had ceased 66 years previously. Things seemed so bleak to Daniel, a prince in exile, far away from his homeland in a land full of idolatry. God sent Gabriel to remind Daniel that not all hope was lost for Daniel and his people. The Messiah was coming. While Daniel initially despaired because of the length of his people's captivity and the even greater length of time that would pass before the visions he saw would come to pass, Daniel learned to look forward in faith to the coming of Jesus Christ. Wait a minute. So what about the, like, 2300 years prophecy thing? How does this prophecy connect with that? Oh, I almost forgot to mention that. Thanks for reminding me. In prophetic time, 70 weeks... Oh, I totally got this. Okay. 70 weeks equals 490 days. So that means 70 weeks equals 490 years of prophetic time. Spot on. According to prophecy, 70 weeks were determined. If you translated the Hebrew word for determined literally, it would mean cut off. So that means the 490 years were cut off from a larger time period, which would be the 2300 years from the prophecy in chapter 8. So then like the 2300 days and 70 weeks prophecy both had the same starting point? Yes, the starting point in both prophecies would be the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. We will definitely revisit both these prophecies and discuss them in more detail in our next season about the sanctuary. Yeah, awesome. That sounds so good. So, what happens next in the book of Daniel? Find out next time in Adventure Club Theater, where theater is the adventure. If you enjoyed the show, join us next week for another. It's time for Adventure Club Theater. Till we meet again, yes, we'll see you later. Goodbye from Adventure Club Theater. Where theater is the adventure. This episode was written by Jennifer and David Quatch. Original theme music by Jennifer Quatch. The voice actors in this episode were Christy Wynn, hi, Violet Kelgard, Philip Pitcher, and Richard Briggs. If you enjoyed this podcast, please check out the Veggie Boy Project. It is a story of a young man discovering God's health message and his journey into faith.